Amen. Has the Lord been good to you? Has he been good to you? Amen. He's been better to me than I've been to myself. And I praise him this morning. It's just so good to be here today and to be able to, to share what God has placed in my heart with you. So I'm going to invite you as you're standing, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 8. Verse 8 only it is so good to welcome you to Impact City Church. If you, this is the first time that you're visiting us, we are so excited that you made time to worship with us. Two important things. This Wednesday is first Wednesday. You've been waiting for it. And if you miss it, you will have to wait till October. So we invite you to come. Wednesday at 7 o'clock, we're going to have a good time here. We're going to have worship. We're going to have the word. Um, and it's going to be a good time as we come together. And also this evening at 6 o'clock here in the youth building, um, inside and outside, we're going to have our last family night of the summer. So we welcome you and we're excited to have you with us. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 8, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Please take your seats. I want to talk to you about the subject stuck in the middle. Stuck in the middle. No, the Diaz family is not going to come on the screen. If you have little kids, you know what I'm talking about. But stuck in the middle. I want to talk to somebody today, and this is the word that I feel in my heart for this time. We heard an, an extra, extraordinary word last Sunday that talked to us and that challenged us to leave our past and to press forward to what God has for us. And I, I want to just piggyback off of that this morning and, and share what God has placed in my heart for you because it is my desire uh, as, as I get to, I have the privilege to serve you, is my desire that you would see your full potential in Christ, that you would see your full potential and nothing less, that you would experience all that God has for you and not one thing less. And I'm going to tell you why this morning. So the writer of the book of Hebrews, out of the verse that we just read, he does a comparative analysis. And he is comparing the Old Testament and he is comparing the New Testament side by side. He, he is making references of things that we know by reading the Old Testament. When, when he says, we have not a high priest, he uses that double negative to let us know that we do have a high priest that can be touched by our infirmities. And he's very specific and very intentional in his words when he says, by our infirmities. Because in the Old Testament, the priest could not be touched. He was not accessible. He was not, it was something that was unattainable for, for anybody in, in, the, in the congregation to be able to go to him. Even more so if you were sick. The, the priest would then have to go through the sanctification process, through the cleansing process, to be able... And, and it was very rigid and it was very time-consuming. So when the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us it's an aha moment for the church to let us know that we have a high priest, that he can be touched by our infirmities. The worst part of me 
I can go to him and he is accessible. The dirtiest, uncleansing part of me, it does not turn Jesus off. I can go boldly before the throne of grace. Another version says I can go with confidence to him and find mercy in the time of need. I'm grateful for a God who is not turned off by the worst part of me. I'm glad that regardless of where you find yourself in life this morning, that there is a God and his name is Jesus and he loves you just the way you are today. He knows what happened last night. He knows where you were at. He knows everything that has transpired in your life and he loves you just like that. And even more so, he he loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you in that state, but he has something better. He has something better for you. So the writer of the book of Hebrews, he lets us know that the new covenant that we are experiencing through Jesus is better than the old covenant. It's better than the old. And I choose to believe that that he has better things for me. I choose to believe that he has better things for you. I choose to believe that he has greater things for you. I don't believe that God designed us to live our lives and accomplish uh, certain things in, in the first 20, 30 years of our lives and then spend the next 40 talking about the good old days and saying, do you remember the good old days? No, the God that I serve, he takes us from glory to glory. I believe that regardless what of what you have experienced in your life, your best days are ahead of you. If you thought you saw God moving your life up until now, you haven't seen anything yet. I come to believe that today. I come to declare that your eye has not seen, nor has your ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that he has prepared for you. That verse is not talking about heaven. It's talking about experiencing the fullness and the goodness of God here on earth. Amen. Amen. I told myself I wasn't going to get excited today. I'm, I'm going to, he's a God of better things. He's a God of better things. I'm glad that while things change with me and that while things change with you, he is a God that doesn't change. He is a God that doesn't change. He can do a new thing. So when God took his people out of Egypt, and this is what the writer is referencing in Hebrews chapter 3, he is saying that God, that Jesus is superior to Moses. And then when he gets to verse 8, he he tells the people, he says, don't harden your hearts, as in the provocation. What is he talking about? So when God took his people out of Egypt, we know this in the book of Exodus, the plan was not to leave them in the wilderness and not to leave them in that scattered state. He brought them out so that he could take them in. He brought them out so he could lead them in. There was some place that he had designed for them to go through and to go to. It was a land, the Bible tells us, that flowed of milk and honey. And God wanted his people to be blessed. God wanted his people to live in victory. God wanted his people to be triumphant. So he brings them out of Egypt to get them into Canaan. Can I tell you that it's not God's will for us just to make it? It's not God's will for us 
just to survive. It's not God's will for us to just be surviving from day to day. No, I don't want to give you the misillusion or the disillusion, should I say, that Canaan was a perfect place. No, there was giants in the land. It was not a perfect place. There was all kinds of horrible things that had taken place there. But, but it's a great picture of when, when God designed something and God can take the worst and make it good. It, 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 it was a place that, des, that was designed. There was giants there. There was, some, there was some battles to be fought. There was some struggles to be had. But there were obstacles to overcome. But it was a place that God designed for them. I, I'm reminded of what Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. In this world, you, it's not you may have trouble. It's not perhaps. It's not maybe you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. Be of good courage. I have overcome the world as I have overcome, so shall you also. It was a place that he had promised his people that was unlike anything that they had experienced before. There was something larger than anything that they had ever seen. He had something greater. However, I'd love to tell you the story ends in such a great way. However, their doubt kept them hostage. Their doubt they helped, kept them imprisoned in this place. And a journey that should have taken only 11 days ends up being 40 years. A journey that should have been 11 days took 40 years. They couldn't get to where they needed to be because they believed it was too good to be true, because they believed that it just couldn't happen. Whatever the circumstance was, they just couldn't, they couldn't embrace it. They couldn't comprehend it. They couldn't understand it. And because of that, they stayed in a wandering place for 40 years. For 40 years, 400 years of slavery had given them a frame of reference, had given them a frame of reference of this is all I know. This is all I know from generation to generation to generation. It had taken a toll on their outlook in life. It had taken a toll on their vision, on their perspective. It had taken a toll. They couldn't see past to what God had for them because they constantly were regressing back to where they had been. And it truly is a tragic story. It's so tragic that countless times they say, Egypt had graves for us. Instead of saying, you know what, let's get to where God wants us to be. They said, Egypt had graves. I could go back and at least have a place where I could be buried. Instead of saying, God, I don't know it. I don't know, it. I don't know where it's at. But I believe you, they said Egypt had graves. Egypt had graves. They kept on regressing back to what they had known. God had brought them out. But they didn't get to see the fullness of what he had for them. And it was solely their fault. It was solely their fault. They got to see it from a distance. But they never lived it. They got to catch a glimpse of it from afar, but they never got to 
enter into it. And when we look at the book of Joshua, we see the conquest. We see God's people take the land. It was, a, it was their promise the entire time. The land was there the entire time. But an entire generation didn't get to experience it because of their doubt and because of their unbelief. I hope you follow me where I'm going. What are we not seeing in our lives? What am I not seeing in my life? What are we not seeing in our families? What are we not seeing in our relationships? What are we not seeing for our lives because of doubt and because of hesitation and because of where we've been? What are we not seeing? They died in between who they used to be and who God wanted them to be. They died in the wilderness, not fully experiencing the promise. Yes, they were brought out of slavery. Yes, they didn't have chains anymore. They were brought out of Egypt, but Egypt was never brought out of them. Being delivered from their past, but never embracing their future. And the writer of the book of Hebrews encourages us and he challenges us. And he says, don't harden your heart. You know what he said? Don't make the same mistake that was made in the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers. Don't make the same mistake that they made. Don't have the hesitation that they had. Don't make the same mistake. Don't hesitate at what God has said. Don't hesitate at his promises. Could that be some of us this morning? Could that be where we find ourselves right now? Not not physically, but but spiritually, could it be where we find ourselves that we know that his power has, has washed away our sin? We know that his blood has all power. We know where we used to be, and, and we're, grateful to, we're grateful that that's no longer our life. But are we truly experiencing and living the fullness of God spiritually that he has intended us to live he has intended us to call, that he has called us for. There was a research team that called the Reveal Research. They conducted a survey of over a thousand churches, and they, they set out to find out how many Christians in the world truly could describe their life as, as living the fullness of God. The, the numbers are alarming, 11%. 11% of Christians said, I feel like I'm thriving in my spiritual walk with God. I feel like I'm thriving. But what about the 89%? What about the 89%? Where do we find ourselves today? What about the 89% that say, I'm not there? What, what about the 89% that say, I'm stuck somewhere in between, between who I used to be? Yeah, I don't, I don't do that anymore, but, but am I really experiencing peace the way God intended me to experience peace? Am I truly experiencing his, his power in my life the way he intended it for, for, for me? Is, am, I, am I not who I used to be, but, but am I truly where I'm supposed to be in him 
Ask yourself that question this morning. It's a rhetorical question between who I used to be and who God is calling me to be. And it's, it's just a matter of dealing with the unbelief and the uncertainty. It's a matter of dealing with the doubt that is in my life. Jesus confronted this in his earthly ministry in Matthew chapter 13, 58. You'll know that through, through reading the gospel, Jesus healed. He, he rose from the dead. He, he multiplied two fish and five loaves. He did all these extraordinary things. But in Matthew chapter 13, verse 58, you find one of the most sad verses of Scripture. He said, and so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. Their faith would not allow for them to be receptive and for them to receive what God had for them. Their doubt in their lives withheld the full potential of what God had designed us to experience. But watch this in that same book, Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, when Jesus was confronted by some blind men, then he touched their eyes, the Bible says, and he said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Same Jesus, however. However, the difference was faith. Same Jesus. However, the difference was faith. I'm believing here today that regardless of what we have lived and regardless of what we have thought, there is somebody that can graduate into saying, I don't know, God, to saying, God, what do you have for me? I'm believing here today that there is somebody that faith is going to rise in this house today and say, God, you know what? I'm sorry that I haven't always... I have I haven't always believed your promises. God, I'm sorry that I've been hesitant and I haven't really let go of my past fully. I'm sorry that I've been wandering in the same place, the same struggle, the same problem, the same, the same situation. I'm sorry, God, that I've been wandering in circles and in circles and something that I should already be embracing. I haven't embraced because of my own unbelief, because I say I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy. No, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. But he paid the price so that I could experience the fullness. He said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And I want to tell you there's a difference between existing and living. You can exist. Everyone in this place is existing. But are you living? Are you living? Come on, Impact City Church. I want to challenge you. Let's transition from the existing part to living. Let's not say, let's not let our doubt and let's not let our uncertainty, let's not let our unbelief hold us back from what God has for us. Could it be that today God wants to propel you into a new day and a new season? In a new place. So I challenge someone who can believe with me that he wants it for us. Someone that can declare with me that he wants it for us. Someone that can declare with me, it's not God's will that I live worried and that I live frustrated and that I live always looking past over my shoulder and, and wondering. No, it's not God's will for that, that we can be confident in what he can do and not what I can do, that I could be confident in him and not in ourselves, that we are confident in his word and not our own, that when we realize and we understand that what he has spoken over us and that we say, yes, God, I 
believe you. If you said it, it will come true. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. I believe that some of us here in this place today that have spent plenty of time wandering, stuck in areas of our lives, will rise up and will take God at his word and say, God, I want to embrace what you have for me. I want to share. So I want to share three things. Now, I know what you're thinking. That was a long introduction. I want to share three things that are important in advancing. And I'll do it quickly. That moving past where we have been spiritually, moving past the hidden problem and the pain, moving past the disappointment, and being able to move past all of that and embrace what God has for us. Number one, you have to change your thinking. The Israelites did not experience all God had for them because of their thinking. It was stinking thinking. Countless times they said Egypt had graves. Couldn't let go of the past. They were out of Egypt. God had said it. It was there the entire time. You read Joshua. They conquered the land. It was there It was their own doubt and their own unbelief. I don't know about you, but I don't want my children to experience something that I could not experience because of doubt in my life. I don't want my children to experience something that I couldn't. I want to make sure that I bury doubt and that I bury uncertainty and that I put all that aside and that I trust and believe God. The just shall live by faith and not by sight. God said it. But they themselves were their greatest enemy. Sound familiar? I'm my greatest enemy. Could you be putting a limit on what God wants to do in you and through you? Think about that for just a moment. Could you be putting a limit? The Bible says that we have not because we ask not. And I'm not talking about Jesus as a genie in the bottle. No, no, I'm saying God had already prepared Canaan for them. They didn't pray for that. God had already prepared that for them. I'm just saying, what, can we align ourselves with God and say, God, I want what you have for me. God, had, God has brought you out of your past, but your past may be not out of you. And could you be looking at your life this morning saying, it'll never happen. I'll always be like this. Could it be that you're saying grandma struggled with it, mom struggled with it, that's why I'm struggling with it, and I'm always going to struggle with it? Or could it be that if if you took a different approach and said, you know what, yeah, it's been something that's been in my family, but it stops with me. I believe God has power over this addiction, over this habit. I believe God has power over my shortcomings, my failures. I believe he has. Could you be living in a Matthew 13, 58 moment? Where it's me, myself, and I that I'm not believing and that I'm not trusting. When Paul says in Romans Chapter 12, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you have to change your mind. You have to change your mind. Solomon said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What are you thinking? What thoughts are flooding your mind? 
What thoughts are flooding your mind? Let me take it a step further. What thoughts are you letting marinate in your spirit? Because the truth is thoughts can cross here, but I have to make an active choice to say, I'm not going to let this thought prevail. I have to make an active choice to know that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. I have to make an active choice. Renew your mind. Rewire your mind. Reprogram your thoughts. Paul wrote to the Philippians. He said this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let that be what you think of. Let, let you wake up in the morning thinking those thoughts. Go to bed at night thinking those thoughts. It doesn't matter how long you've been entertaining the thoughts. You can change that today in Jesus' name. You can change your thinking today in Jesus' name. You can take the limits off today in Jesus' name. You can break the barriers down in Jesus' name. You can cast down the chains today in Jesus' name. You can tear down the obstacles in Jesus' name for the weapons of our warfare they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And it says casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. I have to make my mind and I have to bring those thoughts into the obedience of Christ. Win the battle in your mind by changing your thinking. The worship team will join me. Every imagination, every thought must be brought to the obedience of Christ. Number two, going quickly, believe the word. You have to change your thinking, but you have to believe the word. Even though they saw God's hand move countless times in their journey, when God opened up the Red Sea, the Bible says that, that they began to sing. They began because they saw God's power in their problem. They saw his power do what only he could do, but they couldn't wrap their minds around what he had for them, or what, around what he had prepared for them. And in Joshua 23, the Bible says this. It says that all came to pass. Everything that God had spoken eventually happened. Everything that God had prepared for them, they were able to embrace. Some heard of it, but some actually experienced it. A whole generation had to die because of unbelief. Do you believe what he says about you? Do you believe what his word says about you? Do you believe what he has promised you? I quoted it earlier that I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Do you believe that? Do you believe what he said? Do you believe that he, what he said by, by his stripes, I am healed? That, that he was wounded for my transgressions, that he was bruised for my iniquity, and he died in my place. Do you believe what he has said that he will? I will provide all your needs according to my riches and glory. Do you believe what, what he has said that he owns a cattle of a thousand hills? Do you believe what he has said? I am with you until the end of the world. Do you believe that he is the God that can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that works in us? His Paul said it like this. His promises are yes and his promises are amen. I don't see a maybe there. 
It's yes and amen. His word is true. Do you believe his word for you? And the last thing is you have to live out the promise. You have to live out the promise. One generation started the journey. The second generation saw it completed. One generation started the journey. The second generation saw its fulfillment. Both generations had the same God. Both generations had the same promise. Both generations had the same accessibility. What separated them was one thing and it was faith. Neither of them had experienced it. But you know the story of the 12 spies when when Tint came back and said, it's impossible. There's giants in the land. Two came back and saying, God said we can do it, so let's do it. They never negated the fact. They never denied the fact that there was giants in the land, but their outlook and their perspective was in a God that had promised it to them. Their, their, their belief and their confidence was in this one thing, that he who has called me, he is faithful. He is faithful. And because they believed it, they lived it out. What is holding you back? What is holding you back today? Whatever you thought yourself out of, what have you thought yourself out of? And when you begin to read his word and you say, nope, that's not for me. It was intended for for the person that sits across the aisle. What have you thought yourself out of? Or what have you talked yourself out of? Gave up before you could even take a step in that direction. Gave up before you even started the journey. I declare that God wants you, that's right, you, to experience all that he has for you. Not all that you want for you, but all that he wants for you. It's not a physical territory for us. It's not moving in a direction physically. It's moving spiritually. It's it's finding a life that finds true purpose in our relationship with the God that loved us so much that he came down to us. It's finding that purpose in in our relationship, in the God that we serve. It is a life where we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. It is a life in which we do not lose heart. It is a life in which Christ's love has the first and the last word in everything we do. It is a life when we are exceedingly joyful in tribulations. It is a life in which we are anxious for nothing. It is not a physical place, but it is a spiritual state where we can be confident in the God that we serve, that we can see it, that we can experience it, that we can embrace it, and that we will see all that he has for us. You can't experience it. You can't experience it. You can live out what he has for you.
you make a choice. If you make a choice. So I choose today. I choose today. I won't harden my heart. I know, the, I know sometimes the road is lonely. I know sometimes there's frustration. I know sometimes there's heartache. I know that there's sometimes things that, that happen that we wish would never happen. I know, but I choose today, I'm not going to harden my heart. I'm going to believe what you have for me. And I say, yes, God. I don't know what that is, but I say, yes. I say, yes, to your promises. I say, yes, to your invitation. I say, yes, to getting out of being in this place of wandering, of being stuck in this place, in this problem that I've lived for for 40 years. I say, yes, to take a step in that direction and say, God, I believe what you have for me. I believe what you, I've never experienced it before, but I say, yes. I say, yes, to your promise. And I declare that for you today. I declare that for you today. I believe it for you today. I want to invite you to close your eyes. In this place, maybe you haven't made that first time decision to, to accept Jesus as your Lord, maybe you've never made him the king of your life. Today, God invites you. He says, come to me. If you're heavy burdened and laden, he said, I will give you rest. You've looked for rest in different places and haven't been able to find it. You've looked for relief. He invites you today. If you want to make that decision and say, God, I take that first step to believe you, to embrace what you have for me, that you died so I would not die, but that I would have eternal life, that you died so that when this life is over, I could spend eternity with you. God, but also that when I live this life on this earth, that I would experience your promises, that I would experience your goodness, that I would experience your favor in my life. And today I'm, I say yes. My heart says yes. I want to invite you to raise your hand right where you're at. If that is you, if that is you, and you want to make that decision right now, I'm going to invite everybody to pray with me. Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and I need you. Wash me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I believe that you are Jesus, the Son of God, who died for the sins of the world. And I confess you as Lord, as Savior, and King of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
If you prayed that prayer today, God wants to do a new thing in your life. But for the next few moments, what about you? What, what about me? What about where I find myself right now? Have you been in a cycle that you can't seem to overcome? Have you been facing something that you, maybe you'll, you'll crush a habit for a few days, but then it comes back and looks at you right in the face? What is it in your life that you say today, God? Today, God, I make a decision, I make a choice to leave this wandering place and to take a step towards what you have for me. A life where I can have peace in the midst of the trial, where I can be, have good, where I can have courage because you're with me, where I can, where I can be sustained, where I could be held together, where I could be preserved because you're with me. I want to pray for you. So I want to invite you one more time. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to enter a moment of worship. If you this morning, if you this morning feel to come to this altar in an act of faith and saying, God, I take this step and I come and I declare that there is an area, there's areas of my life where I need to take a step towards you, where I need to take a step towards your word, towards what you have declared over me, towards what you have decreed over my life. God, I choose different today. Maybe you're saying my thinking has always put a, a, a cap on what you want to do. Maybe I've said, this is, this is what I want to do. And you haven't embraced God and said, God, what, but what do you want? What do you have for me? I want to invite you. If you feel comfortable to come to this altar, to come, if not right where you're at. But I'd love the opportunity to pray with you, to pray for you and believe and declare that yes, your past is your past. But if you feel stuck in between who you once were and who God is calling you to be, I want to invite you right now. You take a step of faith and just say, God, I, I trust you and I believe you right now. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're not a man that you would lie, nor the son of man that you would repent, that if you say it, you will do it and you will make it good. God, I'm grateful in this moment for my past being erased. I'm grateful for my past being nailed to the cross and being covered by the blood. I'm grateful, God, that there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, that walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. I'm grateful, God, for an opportunity to start over. God, but at this time right now, I also, right now, God, I take a step of faith to believe what you have for me spiritually, emotionally, God, what, what you have in store for me, God. I felt stuck. 
I felt like I couldn't advance. But right now, God, I, I take a step in, that, in the direction of your word and what you have declared. Right now, God, I declare that barriers will come down. I declare that obstacles will be overcome. Right now, I declare that chains will be loosed. Right now, God, I declare that we will experience the fullness and the goodness of all that you have for us. Right now, in Jesus' name, right now, I believe it and I declare it over every heart, over every believer, over every family. Right now, in Jesus' name, God, I declare that we will advance and that we will move forward into what you have for us right now in Jesus name we declare it and we believe it